Hello and welcome. You're listening and watching the Investor Lab, the audio-visual epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and also, in fact, abundance as well. And the reason I've slipped in the audio-visual component is we have grown to a propensity to record video podcasts as well. So if you're watching this in the future, which I imagine you are, then probably check out a YouTube channel. I don't know what the um, URL is, but the intention is we're going to be video podcasting as well and making a big shong and dance about that. But that's enough for me. Gabby, how are you on this fine Wednesday evening? I am fabulous as always, Goose. How are you? I'm not going to lie. I'm a little less effervescent in the evenings than in the mornings. This is recorded in the evening, but I guarantee you're probably not going to notice that I'm slightly less effervescent in the evenings. But let me tell you, it is a madhouse out there. It's like March madness, you know, March mayhem. Everything's going on out there. And, and, and if you're interested in what is currently happening in the market, if you're interested in the insights and observations of a couple of pretty astute buyers agents who are pounding the ground in one version or another out there, seeing what's going on in the streets, if you are interested in trying to work out whether this is end of days or whether this is an opportunity, well, let me just tell you, pull up your socks, pull down your hat, grab hold of your fanny pack and strap yourself in and let's get ready to rumble. So. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> what an intro. Wow. Woo. And we're on. Now, if you are one of the lucky ones and you are actually watching this live, then feel free to fire in some comments, questions, Etc. We will try and get to them if anyone except me can get a word in edgeways, that is. But, Gabby, what are we here to talk about? Why did we decide we wanted to do this as a live episode? Why did we want to do that? There's a lot going on, right? There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of questions. There's just a lot of activity. And I think particularly like we're, like we're buying with that for our clients at the moment and there's a lot of just like hesitation but also momentum and I want to go now but then also I'm not really sure and then oh but if I don't go now I'm going to miss out and there's all this kind of emotion happening because people just feel really confused for a variety of reasons there's a lot of um different factors that we'll go into I'm sure you're all news fanatics and you understand everything that's going on anyway but we thought we'd do this little quick quick little summary quick little market roundup of what might be going on let's get stuck into it in case you are living under a rock, it is currently March and the whole world feels like it's gone topsy-turvy. We're going to cover a broad tranche of topics this evening and on this podcast. We're going to cover stuff like coronavirus, consumer sentiment and commercial properties, interest, business, all of that kind of stuff. The RBA, interest rate cuts, the property price market surge, stock shortages nationwide, first home buyers scheme impacts the full gauntlet of topics that are currently wrestling their way around uh, people's minds at the moment in, in the idea to kind of give you some clarity. I can't guarantee that this is going to be structured. I can't guarantee that this is going to be in some kind of format where we can easily isolate and dictate later on some key points. What I can tell you is it's going to be comprehensive and it's going to be stream of thought. Let's get into the meat. Right, coronavirus. Hello. Let's just talk about what's going on. I went to a supermarket today, largely because I just heard 
about all of this panic buying and I had to see it for myself. And I've got to say, it was absolutely phenomenal to watch this kind of end of days mentality uh, permeate through our society. But everyone's just going for the bog roll. I just thought it was really interesting that that was the apocalypse plan, which is make sure you can poop. Yeah, I think it's funny because we've been seeing those photos online of empty shelves of there's no toilet paper and we're like, oh, that must be must be in regional places or but it's no it's it's everywhere it's quite a lot of places it's everywhere now the reality is it's causing economic shockwaves around the world large scale you know there's a lot of talk that this could be the one in 100 year virus that, that does all this kind of stuff the reality is i don't care what it might do or what it could do what i am most interested in in all of this is human psychology and economics. And I think that this is a really exciting opportunity to analyze both aspects of that and have a consideration about how that's going to affect your own personal wealth journey, societal health, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. So share markets are crashing. We know that. I mean, even after the RBA rate cut, I told you this was going to be nonlinear. Uh, even after the RBA rate cut yesterday, dropping uh, 25 basis points and bringing this down to basically, I think the, I think it's the lowest in history ever. That was intended as a direct stimulus in order to prop up the economy off the back of the ASX 200 bleeding. There's been a bloodbath in there, about $240 billion wiped off the ASX in a week, which has caused the RBA to think, okay, well, let's try and prop this up in some way. Nonetheless, despite the best efforts, it still dropped another 1.71% today. It bounced for about, I think it was about a percent to 2% yesterday after the news of the rate cut. And then it's down again, 1.71%. So that sort of hasn't really done a hell of a lot there, which makes it really interesting. So again, this is not going to be linear, but I'm very excited to talk about all of this. <laughs> There's too much going on to be linear. There's too much going on. So what we can talk about is property, property markets, tightenings and all of that kind of stuff. And it's all going to come to fruition and going to, going to wind into a beautiful tapestry of a story towards the end. Right now, what we are seeing nationwide is property stock shortages, like shortages of stock on market. Now, we've done a lot of deep analysis, consideration, thinking, comparison, thought, ideating, all of that kind of stuff to try and understand what's going on. Are we just in the wrong places? What's happening here? And the reality is the stock shortage levels are pretty much comparable to what people were seeing in Sydney in 2016 and 2017. And it's reminiscent of other similar environments of stock shortages, high demand, very fevered and emotional investing environments. However, the main difference right now is that we are not just seeing this in an isolated pocket like Sydney in 2016 and 2017. We are seeing this broad acre. Pretty much in any market worth economically investing in right now, we're seeing stock shortages, extreme tightenings of vacancy rates, extreme levels of people wanting to get into the market. And there's a number of reasons for that. Gabby, did you want to jump in here or should I just keep ranting? <laughs> uh, I think it's just a good point about, I think there's, it's easy to find stats online and to read news stories about, you know, Sydney and Melbourne growth and what's happening there and the shortages in those areas. But you're right, it is pretty well nationwide at the moment. And so there's a number of reasons for that. So let's let's dig into some of them. So firstly, rate cuts. Money's cheaper than it has been uh, pretty much ever. People are going nuts. More people have more access to get into the market, which also means that serviceability caps are lower based on the fact that interest rates are being dropped. So whereas people could maybe previously not get finance, they now can because because lending criteria has lowered in line with the rate cuts as well. 
So that's giving an opportunity for first-time buyers to get into the market, whereas once they could potentially not, they felt priced out. Thirdly, there is the coronavirus impact as well, which is having a very uh, dichotomous effect on, on the property market in that more people are trying to diversify away from shares as they are liquidating and there's more stress there. Then there's also the genuine stock shortage. So there's been record low building approval rates for some time now, I think it's over 12 months. But we've also had simultaneously the highest immigration and population growth in the OECD. This is just causing fundamental supply and demand issues, which are going to be pushing us into what I genuinely, deeply, passionately and rigorously believe is going to be a five-year macro cycle. We often talk about things like you've got to get down to granularity in the street, you've got to get down to granularity on the suburb. But that is not to discount the fact that the property market does participate in a macro environment as well. So we do see historically and ostensibly larger swings and troughs with smaller swings and troughs in them. I believe robustly that we are at the start of a four to five year genuine upswing And it's a really exciting time to be in the marketplace, but you've got to make sure you know what to do with it. I've gone off on a tangent, but what did you think about that, Gabby? (laughs) Which part do I comment on all that? (laughs) Property is a market in itself, and then there's markets within the property market, and there's markets within those markets. But then the the Australian property market is in a piece of the global economy, which is what we're talking about now. I think it's it's very easy, particularly in Australia when everything's going fine on a global scale, to just focus on the Australian economy and the Australian property market and then maybe consider how the states interact with each other in that sense. But it's only when something like a health crisis like the coronavirus or like the other economic issues that are happening at the moment that we really acknowledge and remember that we are just part of a bigger global economy here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about what other impacts we're seeing in the marketplace at the moment. So because the coronavirus is obviously impacting business, shares, all of that kind of stuff, because the reality is when you think about shares, it's business. You're investing in portionate amounts of business. Uh, That's all it is. Okay. So you can't think of stocks and shares and businesses being anything but the same. And then also that flows on to stuff like commercial property and assets. Now, what we have seen, particularly over the past 12 months, 12 to 18 months, is a complete and utter decimation of the shopfront retail market. We've seen Bardo, Jeans West, David Jones, a number of major, 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 major brands that are all shutting down or having trouble. This is exacerbated by the fact that we now have trade issues in relation to manufacturing, shipping, travel bans, all of that kind of stuff, which is slowing down supply to physical retail outlets or physical shop and manufacturing outlets, which is putting even more pressure on the commercial space and the business space in general. It doesn't matter whether you're a small manufacturer, a small business owner, a small operator, you're probably still going to be affected by the supply chain issues somewhere along the line. Now, the other side and the flip side of that is, I think it was like one or two episodes ago, we were talking about residential versus commercial, the pros and cons. Here's a really big one. Now, from a supply and demand metric perspective, If you have less busyness in any kind of market space, in this case, we'll talk about commercial as a broader market, because you can think, oh, well, that's cool. I'll just invest in medical or I'll just invest in office space or just invest in storage. But the reality is 
as more commercial space becomes available, as industries struggle and shut down and can't sustain themselves or sustain each other, that opens up more commercial space, which in turn decreases the amount of competition for space, the supply and demand metric, which increases the opportunity for tenants and operators to negotiate better lease arrangements and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, we're seeing it very broad acre with Westfield shutting down, in some cases, 40% of um, department stores in their shopping centers and converting them into commercial office spaces. So what that's going to do is that's going to pull out a lot of the strength, even in some of those more reliable aspects of the commercial real estate market. Did that make sense? Definitely, yeah. So I think right now, there's a major push of people wanting to look back towards the strength, reliability, and consistency of residential real estate. Personally, I think that is a very sound and robust idea. The problem that we see at the moment, as we touched on just a moment ago, is the broad acre pressure that we are seeing in the marketplace through a combination of building approvals, cheaper money, all of that kind of stuff. So whereas once, for example, we could move into a marketplace using our research methodologies and and the benefits of the opportunities that we have, relationships that we've built we would have the opportunity to move into a marketplace and take first pick those same opportunities do not exist in today's market and i think one thing that i've been trying to communicate with our clients and i would encourage you to to take on this advice in your own journey everything we do is based on principles and values okay because tactics and strategies change the tactics and strategies that you can deploy in any market or any field will always change as times change you can look at advertising and once upon a time it was all newspaper now it's all social media you can look at cars you know once upon a time it was muscle cars now it's safe like there's a whole all these different tactics and strategies which are going to change but if you can root the fundamentals of everything that you do in your journey based on principles overarching immutable principles you're going to put yourself in a much better position now The three principles that we've based everything that we do on for ourselves and our clients is what we call the Holy Trinity. For those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's super simple. Cash flow positive properties in high growth areas with value add potential. Now, cash flow is always going to be dictated to some degree by what your loan structure is and your finance structure. Okay, so we could interchangeably position that as high yield and we could say five, five and a half percent higher, which in most markets is, is very good. Plus growth, plus the ability to add value. Everyone wants to get under market value. This is one of, the, one, of the, one of the tactics that we have espoused greatly. However, just as markets change, so do tactics and strategies. And in a rising market, I encourage you to not lose out on opportunity, but to look forward at the opportunity rising up in front of you. Because in a rising market, it's very, very, very difficult in a reliable area that is robustly going to drive you forward in your journey. It is much more difficult to find opportunities of under market value products in the marketplace. But that doesn't mean that that's the only tactic. Just an example from this week. We live in these markets all day, every day. And we're experiencing situations where we'll have a property that's been listed for like two hours and we'll get in touch with the agent and there's already six offers. And that's kind of the standard of what's happening around the country at the moment. So I think everyone is at risk of, yes, taking opportunities when they come up and assessing it if it is a really good deal and a valuable opportunity for you in the right time, then seize that when you can, but also the 
not succumbing to FOMO. And I'm, I th- I'm thinking of this Woolworths toilet paper analogy. It's like everyone's going out and clearing their shelves of toilet paper because, you know, like I'm, I might not ever have toilet paper again. And I feel like we're heading into this time of people just buying whatever they can because they don't know if they're going to be able to have something else. It could be accurate, but it's, it doesn't mean you need you throw out all your due diligence out the window. I think it's an absolutely fantastic perspective and, and very well pointed out, very adroitly and astutely observed because here is the thing. Just because we are in a volatile, rising, opportunistic, stock shortage, highly feverish, highly anticipatory, highly active and excited marketplace does not mean go and buy anything and anything that you can find. Right? Just in the same way that you probably don't need to go and buy 10 packets of toilet paper. You need to root your property purchasing decisions in principles, overarching, immutable, undeniable principles that are going to move you in the direction you want to go. And you need to take your view at property investing in it. You need to take a very Warren Buffett stance. You need to be looking at value investing. So when you look at value investing, you're not looking at the price. You're looking at the value and the opportunity there to decide whether the price that you are prepared to pay for that represents good, genuine value based on all markers, indications, knowledge and experience that you may have or you can leverage from other people in the marketplace to benefit, support, deny or otherwise influence that decision-making process. It's regardless of current price because the current price is just a factor of the current demand. It's not necessarily the value of that asset. Absolutely. And, and it's most easily applied conceptually to the stock market. We've all seen... You know, like you look recently, Tesla was up, I think they broke through the $1,000 a share mark. Does that mean that that was the true value of their product, of their asset, of their business? Well, potentially not. You know, so this is where you need to look at, take a value investing perspective on that. And there's actually a a phenomenal book, which I would recommend reading, which is actually called The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. And it is all about that. You know, and it's in these times that more than ever, literally more than ever, it is critically important that you get your information correct. Because in a, in a market where you can see too much excitement, people paying too much money, people making emotional decisions rather than logical, calculated, value-based investment decisions, you need to make sure you have the right information to hand because it's easy to get carried away. And it's this kind of excitement that has led many people astray. For every person that you have heard of who made a million dollars in Sydney in the boom, you've probably heard of equally another person who bought too high, bought in the wrong place, bought the wrong type of asset just because they were told to get in, get in, get in. And I think this is where people need to be really careful. And from my perspective, it is more important than ever to make sure you've got the right advice, the right team and the right people around you supporting your interests. That's what I would say. Yeah, it's definitely like it is not a time to be investing in a silo. Don't get stuck in your own head trying to figure this out on your own. I think now is the time to leverage other perspectives. Absolutely. And look, the same thing goes as well. We need to take a broader brushstroke view at this because we need to look at what is the long-term prospect for the decisions we make now. Because if you're investing in anything for, for the short term, it's probably you need to maybe reconsider the way that you're thinking about the way you're investing. You know, investing in property, long game. Investing in shares should be a long game unless you are a trader, in which case statistically you're probably losing out more than the people who just play the long game, right? So you need to kind of look at these these macro cycles as well and be prepared 
to understand that you may not be able to, for example, buy a property 10% under market value, but that doesn't necessarily make it a bad purchase. If robustly and rigidly you can see the future prospects and the value opportunity within that property and see other ways to capitalize, make money, add value, extrapolate more gain and more profit out of that over the long term based on fundamental drivers, core values and principles. And I think this is kind of the big thing. And just because a market gets excited doesn't mean you should sell. Just because you've got shares right now doesn't mean you should sell sell your shares. I would actually advise you not to. Part of the leading up to having a strategy when, like we call it like in the summer, building your systems and your investments during the, the good months and the good, like the good seasons is so that you can afford to hold your assets through this time, which is exactly what someone like Warren Buffett does, who is sitting and stacking, just stockpiling cash, waiting for opportunities to invest. And then you don't put yourself at risk of, now everything's turned and I can't afford to hold that asset, which may have been a really good asset that you invested in and it was a very good decision, but you just don't have the ancillary resources or position to be able to hold that. So it's a different situation if you literally can't afford to hold the thing that you're wanting to hold. But if you can, then generally now's not the time to, to let that go. Now, in, in every part of life, there are seasons, summer, autumn, winter and spring. And the companies and the people who build the greatest amount of wealth are the people who plant their seeds in the winter and tend to their gardens in the winter. So in times of crisis, in times of distress, in times of disruption, in times of dismay, in times of any time where people are freaking out, that is the perfect opportunity to make your move, a calculated and powerful decision to opportunistically advance yourself far beyond the realms of what other people may have previously thought possible. But more than ever, you need to be making sure you're making an astute decision because there's less tolerance in the winter. If you plant your seeds in the wrong garden, don't tend to them in the right way, they will not sprout and you find yourself with a barren patch of dirt. Okay, so let's do a little quick wrap up because there's a lot going on here. We've covered stuff like first-time buyer scheme impact. We've covered the fact that there's massive stock shortages and a broad acre scale nationwide, which is causing increased demand for very limited supply. We all know that the RBA has cut rates and they're most likely going to cut rates again to try and keep stimulating the economy. We could go down to a 0% interest rate, which would be interesting to see. The property market in a broad scale is surging towards double-digit growth almost nationwide. In fact, Melbourne and Sydney have recorded over 10% gains year-ending February, so compared to February last year. And in a general sense, we're hitting 1.1% growth nationwide, even factoring in uh, the negative growth rate in Darwin. But at 1.1% might not sound like a hell of a lot, but at 1.1% times 12 months, we're going to be looking at, what's that, 13, 13%, 13 point something percent gain over a year. So we're going to be double digit growth year. These times don't come around all of that often, particularly not on this broad scale. We've covered consumer sentiment and commercial impact. We've covered coronavirus and hysteria. So we've covered quite a lot. One question that we've just been asked before we go into a bit of wrap up is what properties do you believe is best to buy in the market to plant the seed in the winter? And I think that is an absolutely fantastic question. Where we're going to see the largest impacts are typically on the peripheries. Now, when I say on the peripheries, we're talking about higher end products typically. So all of your luxury, high price, 
typically more affluent suburbs, they're going to see price stasis or price decline statistically, historically. That's what happens. Whenever we see a, di a disruption and a tightening in a market, that's where we see the biggest uh, impacts. So the greatest asset you can invest in in a time like this is the asset that everyone wants. It's that simple. So when you think about that, well, what does everyone want? They want a home that they can live in and they want a home that they can afford. In a very broad brushstroke perspective, that is typically going to be a house in the three hundred to $500,000 price range, statistically. Because if people have a million-dollar house, they may need to downgrade. And guess what? They're not downgrading to a $900,000 house. They're probably going to downgrade to a $500,000 house. You know, people can move up as well from, say, just renting or whatever and still you know effectively get into a three hundred thousand dollar house so it is that middle band it's that what we consider to be the mortgage belt now the more that you can reliably invest in established properties in established neighborhoods with established demand with established populations with strong economies with diversified industries with diversified population demographics all of this kind of stuff that signify investment health area health locality health that is the best type of asset you're going to be able to buy you know the markets that we have been investing in we always do that that's basically our modus operandi buy what people want because that's where you're going to see the most strength reliability longevity health and opportunity and already in the past two months we have been seeing price movement in areas areas that we were buying in in january we cannot buy in anymore and it is bang, smack bang in the middle of those. So if somebody was to ask me, what should I invest in now? What should I invest in next year? What should I invest in the year after? If I just want to make sure it's safe and to reduce my risk, I would say a 300000 to $500,000 property, minimum 5% yield, minimum three bedrooms, must be a house, must have land, must be rentable, and it must be in an area of limited public housing, and it must be in an area with a higher owner-occupier owner percentage and appeal, because that's what's going to appeal to people over the long term. And I think with that as well, with the, with the cash rate, you know, continuing to drop, and interest rates dropping as well, it's that it's that level of asset that is generally the standard of like affordability for a typical Australian family. So that means you know, if 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 the interest rates are lower, your cash flow is better. But then you also consider the like general cost of living is going to continue to go up as the economy shifts and changes. You know, having having an asset at that price point is going to allow for renters in that basically that band are still going to be able to afford that level. We've covered a lot of ground there, including the asset types to buy, the the market influence that we're seeing. I would encourage you now to take this opportunity to advance your personal position. I don't say that lightly. I'm not one of those people that's going to sit there and be like, yeah, get into the market, get in the market, get in the market. But genuinely and deeply, I passionately believe that the opportunities we are going to see through this year and into the next are going to be the opportunities that are going to help build generational wealth. And I mean that. This is the reason why I'm so bullish about real estate at the moment. There is a macro and a microcosm of different effects, triggers and pulleys which are driving what I see to be a five-year macro cycle. And the opportunity is rising up in front of you and I urge you and encourage you to see it. So we've covered variable interest rates, rates at an all-time low. Lenders' criteria is loosening up based on serviceability caps and rates. 
there is massively returned sentiment for people to buy because they were seeing an opportunity. They're seeing demand. They're seeing a need. They are seeing they're scared about the volatility and other aspects of the economy and everyone needs a home to live in. And the thing is, a lot of people are probably wondering, well, where do I invest? Where? Where, where, where? Well, where should I go then if it is the time to buy? Well, it's a great question. And one that, honestly, I could not possibly answer without deeply understanding your strategic goals and needs. But what I would like to shed some light on is what we have seen, just to give some value to the people listening to this. So by and large, and again, there is no absolute, nothing in life is absolute. By and large, I would suggest for those of you who are thinking about buying in Brisbane, that the best buying opportunities in Brisbane have passed us by approximately six to eight months. There are some limited pockets, and as ever, there will always be opportunities in every market, but I encourage you to seek other opportunities that potentially present more unique value propositions. I would also suggest that for now, Tasmania has become overheated. There's been a huge lifestyle push down there as well as industry generation. And whilst we have personally been investing in there, that area for the past four months, uh, we now no longer see purchaser viability in that area because of an overheated and overstimulated market. There's too much competition. I would caution that. We are still seeing some opportunities in the major regionals in Victoria. So that's exciting. But you really need to know your strategy and you really need to know the uh, locations. Because in some of these places, like in Bendigo, there are very large estate developments. So you need to make sure that you're clearly and closely analysing the supply risk. There are interesting economic opportunities in places like Townsville and, and some of the North Queensland major centres based on you know, solid economic stimulus, based on rebounding from very low price points in the market. But the thing you've got to consider there is the opportunity and holding costs where sometimes you're going to have higher insurance, higher property management rates, etc. There's a lot to be said about Adelaide. And if you can invest in the right pockets in Adelaide, you will see double-digit growth this year i will eat my shoe if that does not happen now that does not mean every market so without getting super granular i can tell you that we are currently buying in the adelaide market in a couple of very distinct quadrants however in fairness to our current clients um, i don't really want to disclose exactly where that is because the competition is too steep genuinely but on the basis of that if you do know the right markets to be investing in in adelaide in 2020 you will see double-digit growth. And I am on record now, this is recorded, as saying that. Further to that, we could even start to look at places like Perth, okay? Now, Perth may still be a little bit early in the recovery phase, but what we have seen in Perth is we've seen the fourth straight month with uh, neutral to positive growth, so no decline, which is an interesting uh, sample size because that indicates that we're potentially at the turning point. However, it's still about 21% from its all-time peak Um, a couple of years ago. So it's a long way to go up, which for the right type of investor may be an amazing opportunity to take that up because just like everywhere else in the market, you know, there's a continuous upward bias trend. So statistically, we're going to see it go above its previous peak. So you may be able to buy now to create a really good opportunity there. Personally, I still think we're probably two to three months away from actively investing in that market. Sydney's too tight and too high demand. There's a lot of growth there driven by demand, but for most investors, you're going to be priced out. Some pockets, including in the west and the north, I still believe that we're going to see um, cash flow positive buying opportunities in this quarter that we're in right now. 
And um, I think it's really just going to come down to a circumstantial basis and also off the back of the current finance climate. Do need to add a caveat in there, guys, that you need to do your own due diligence on all of this. Don't listen to these locations and go out and buy anything, particularly considering everything we've just talked about with the heat in the market. There's a lot of overpriced options out there currently uh, and there's there's just a lot of competition. So don't just hear a, hear a location, hear a rough city and go, oh, well, I, f- I found this listing online. I'm going to go and buy it because I don't know what else I'm going to buy. Do not do that. <laughs> do not exactly. do that. Do, do, do your own due diligence. Do your own research. Speak with advisors that can help you and have access to to people on the ground and further information that you may not have. Absolutely. And if you want to find out if we can help you too, then don't be afraid to reach out. We run a real estate buyers agency helping investors to build scalable portfolios and advance their personal wealth journey. And if you'd like to find out more about what we do and how you can get in touch, just head to www.dashdot.com.au. Alternatively, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. You can join our Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash The Investor Lab. And very excitingly, today I became an author. You did become an author. So we actually have a book out uh, called Limitless, The Renegade's Guide to Building Wealth Through Property. Uh, It's my name on the cover, but it certainly wasn't a one-person effort. It has been a journey for both of us over the past, past, say, six months. So we're very excited that it's out. And if you would like to claim a copy at the moment, we're doing an opportunity where it's free. Just pay the cost of shipping. We'll cover the rest then jump on to www.renegadespropertybook.com. Jump there, order your copy of the book and jump into an opportunity to maybe catch up with me and have a talk about your strategy as well. I hope this has been beneficial. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, you want advice, guidance or otherwise, please don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please let us know. Yeah, let us know, guys. Um, as always, if you have any ideas or any topics that you'd like us to cover, we do enjoy doing market updates. So we might do this maybe once a month, I think, Goose. Yep. Sounds like a good plan. Any topics you want us to cover, any people you might want us to interview, if there's any particular topics or niches or ideas that you you know want more information on. If we don't know the answers, we'll go and find the answers or we'll find someone who has the answers and we'll bring them to you because we really appreciate you guys listening and being part of the group and... Just being a part of this community. It's really awesome. And on that, we'll leave it. Thanks, guys. Till next time. See you soon.